the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. This week is Ashley Campbell, and I love this little songbird. She is so funny and hilarious and beautiful and sweet. She's just an incredible person. She's the daughter of the legendary Glenn Campbell. She has a record deal in Big Machine. Her first single out was I'll Do the Remembering, which is a tribute to her father and Alzheimer's that he has been struggling with. And she just has so much awesome things to talk about, and she's such a beautiful soul. So y'all welcome Ashley Campbell. Ashley Campbell. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm happy to be here with you. On this rainy day. Yes. Nashville's been like gloom city. Yeah, it has. Um, I, I, I miss the snow, honestly, because I'm from Phoenix. And so I grew up oh. like around cactuses and desert stuff. So I'm just ex- so excited by snow still. Like, <laughs> but what about this mush? Are you excited about all this mush? Um, I mean, being from the desert, I even like rain. Like rain's a good thing. Because so you're I'm not just, used to it. Yeah, I'm not used to it. And when it did rain, it was like, yay, our crops will grow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this has been a little much, but not complaining because Nashville's the best city ever. It sure is. Okay, so I want to start off with a little game. Okay. So I'm going to say some words, and you say the first word that comes to mind. Oh, I I love these. Okay. Frodo. Doggy. (laughs) That's her dog. And he's cute. What kind of dog is he? He's a miniature schnauzer, and he's staring at us right now. Oh my god, he's looking at us. His tail's going. He's like, "Are you gonna call me? You gonna? I heard my name." (laughs) Okay, pasta, pesto, banjo, badass. You're a badass banjo player. Thank you. (laughs) Sushi, (laughs) absolutely delicious. Uh, Tattoos, more. You want more? I do. How many do you have? I have one. And tell me about your right tattoo because it's special to you. It is. Um, it's a it's a tattoo of a knife that actually my dad has on his um, on his arm, um, kind of on his um, bicep, and um, he he did it himself when he was little. He was like he thirteen himself? or fourteen. He either did it himself or his friend did it just with like a needle and ink. So like, Ow, that's he pretty really awesome. Wanted that. He did, yeah. And there's another line um, on his forearm where he wanted to do another knife that the tips of the knives were touching, but it hurt too much. So he stopped and there's just like half of a line there. <laughs> self-tattoo again? Yeah. So every tattoo your dad has is self-tattooed? Yes. And your dad is Glenn Campbell? Yes, he is. By the way, which is, you know, no big deal. NBD. <laughs> Okay, so you replicated that. On yeah, your so arm. I got the I got like a cleaner version of it. You know, why didn't a, you have him do it? My dad. Yeah, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have an arm <laughs> anymore. <laughs> okay, sexy. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. So many things come to mind. <laughs> it just blurt them out. Oh man. Hmm. Oh, man, I can't even think of it. You know you got one. It's been a while. (laughs) Are you saying you're single? I am single, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ashley Campbell on the market. Yeah, wow. I'm going to matchmake you. Yeah, please do. I'm here. You would be (laughs) such a catch. You know why? No one one can handle you. You're too much. They can't handle me like most people don't make it past a first date. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because I get bored. 
I get so bored. What <laughs> bores you about dating? Um, guys that can't make me laugh. If you that's can't make so me laugh, uh, yeah, that's it. It's just over. And you need <laughs> have your shit together. Uh, yeah, I do. No, you need to have your, like, they need to have oh. their shit together. Exactly, because I do. Because you have your <laughs> shit together. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I like guys that have something going on, that are passionate about something, that yes. are totally pursuing that, you know? Yes. Like, confidence and passion and knowing where you're going is so important, you know? You don't want to, you don't want to wander. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. So there's a, it's really hard to find, are you looking for a creative type? Do you like the creatives? Definitely like the creatives, but I've always wondered what it would be like to date someone that wasn't in music, but that had a good taste in music, you know? I think that's the most important thing, but like, you know. Um, like an agent? I mean, yeah, that would be cool. Someone in the music business, but it's, it's hard to date someone that does exactly what you do because you find yourself either judging what they do because you're kind of qualified to do that mm -hmm. or, you know, so... Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I know. I hear you. Dating in Nashville. But now that I know you are single, I'm going to work on my help, matchmaking. Help. <laughs> okay, I need to get more details after this interview. Yeah. <laughs> what we're really looking for. Okay, gross. Dry skin. Oh, yeah, right? Right? I hate it when I have dry skin. Yeah, you got to moisturize. Dry hands drive me bananas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use um, Aquaphor. Ever since I got my tattoo, they tell you to put Aquaphor on it, and I'd never used it before. But it's like this miraculous stuff that I use as chapstick now, and yeah. I use it as hand cream. Like it's amazing. Do you put it on your full body? No, that would be pretty greasy. <laughs> but sometimes coconut oil. Hey, going back to sexy, coconut oil. Coconut. <laughs> you can use coconut oil for a lot it's of like things. It's like a good massage oil, and it smells like coconut. Uh huh. It's a win-win, uh -huh. and it's healthy. And then you can ha just eat it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, get a massage and then have someone lick your back. Exactly. Because I know that's what you're That is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, crush. Oh, man. Hmm. Gosh. I think Sam Hunt's really cute. Oh, right. He's total crush. Yeah. I mean, I don't know can him at all. Can we that up? Oh, yeah, please. I don't know him. Yeah, he but can take my enough. time. He can take your time. He can we take know my enough time. people who know him who can make <laughs> this happen. Well, hey, I'll, I'm, I'll give him a first date. Oh, right. <laughs> so what happens after the first date? Like, you go out with them, and then they're boring. But, like, someone like Sam Hunt, he wouldn't be boring. I don't think he would. I think he'd be pretty interesting. I think he'd be really interesting. Yeah. Do you think it'd be hard to date someone who has a really big schedule? Because you no, kind of have a big schedule, No, because too. I do, too. Like, I think that's ideal, that you both have something going on, and so one of you's not sitting at home twiddling your thumbs. Right. You know? And you don't mind, like, flying cross-country to see each other for, like, a day. No. Travel's no problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep it spicy. Yeah, just text me. Just text. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, music. Mm. Truth. Okay, I love that. So you obviously grew up in a very musical family, your dad being Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Did he put an instrument in your hand when you were a child, or did you just see it happening in front of you and you knew you wanted to be a part? How did you get your love for it? Um, my mom and dad put me and my brothers into piano lessons when we were very little. Like, I started in first grade, so I've always been playing an instrument. Um, my brother Cal started playing drums when he was two, what? and I thought that was really cool. I was like, why didn't I start that early? And then I saw a video. Can people even walk it, too? They can drum it, too. <laughs> then I saw a video of me playing the drum set when I was, like, two, and I was terrible at the drums. 
but it was really cute. I mean, I think I was like very basic, but like my brother was like, cha, 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 cha. does he still play the drums? Oh yeah. He's one of the best drummers I've ever seen. Which I want to talk about. You went on tour with your dad. Yeah. And he went with you. Mm-hmm. But before you do that, the instrument you picked up was banjo, right? That's right. And yeah. You're a finger picking fool. <laughs> Well, thank you. How did you get so good? And you're a female and you're sexy, which is like a big combination. Because a lot of like badass female musicians aren't sexy. You're so hot. Thank you. And you're so good. (laughs) Um, Well, I started playing guitar when I was 15 and I was just kind of okay at it. I didn't really work very hard at it because I just didn't. Wasn't your I didn't have it yet. Okay. Um, but then um, when I was in college, I started playing banjo for a play that I was in with my university theater department. And I just completely fell in love with banjo and whatever comes from that and just picking. And I started listening to bluegrass That's and hard. I just got really into it. And so like something just clicked in me. And then I started playing banjo more and getting better at that. And then I went back to guitar and started doing a lot of finger picking with guitar because I kind of figured it out with the banjo. Wow. And so that kind of opened up a whole new world for me. Finger picking is really difficult. Do you have to sit there for hours and go over and over the same like movements? I did, yeah. Um, it it it's always finger picking has always come really easily to me. Just like singing harmonies, it's just I just kind of really? hear it. Yeah, oh. um, my dad that got definitely got that from my dad. Um, he always kind of prided himself. He's like, my kids can sing harmonies. Can your um, mother sing harmonies? Yeah, they're great. It's just <laughs> born. Into it you. just happens. Um, so finger picking. I definitely had to work at it, but it, I think it, it came pretty easily to me. Yeah. So did you know you wanted to do music? Not till I started playing banjo. Really? Yeah. I, I was, uh, I wanted to be an actress and I was doing sketch comedy and improv in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. you did like crazy American Crazy Idol. Mary. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was in a, a sketch group. Um, what does that mean? So like Saturday Night Live, you know, they do sketches that they, they write that are funny, like characters and things like that. I want to do a side note, though, because you are so stunning and you come from such an amazing family and you're so talented. People might be surprised that you're so hilarious. <laughs> you have this really goofy, funny side to you that yeah. is your sketch, which is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I did this video with my friend who had a couple successful YouTube videos on his page. So it was a fake American Idol audition. Um <laughs> And I, pl- I made up this character called Crazy Mary, and we used footage from another from an actual Crazy Mary video online. So it's it's me spliced in with actual footage of Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul, um, and I'm just acting nuts in front of them and singing. I'm like doing I'm Can playing this a, a little example. Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing this crazy character. She's just there's something wrong with her, <laughs> and and she's doing a Randy Newman impression. That's how she sings. So it's like you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Did you get picked on American Idol? I did not. Simon said no. Simon said no. <laughs> Simon was scared of me. He, what did he say to you? Um, <laughs> he said I needed violin music behind me, which is what I have now. So he was right. <laughs> Did it get some hits on YouTube? Oh my gosh, yeah. I think at one point um, we had about 13 million hits. How do you get a video to go viral? It just did. People go, that's freaking funny. And they, they pass it on. And I was actually starting to get recognized on the streets of Hollywood as Crazy, as Crazy Mary. Like I was standing in line at a Starbucks and someone's like, hey, you're Crazy Mary. So does anything come from being a YouTube sensation? Um nothing's come from this except just I, I got a lot of satisfaction knowing that people saw it and 
<laughs> I think I'm so proud of being crazy, Mary. Like <laughs> the first time some, I thought someone recognized me was actually my friend who actually made the video. I was walking down Melrose and he was driving past and he saw me and he thought it'd be funny to yell, Hey, it's crazy, Mary. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, I got recognized. And then I found right. out it was him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure though. A lot of people know crazy Mary. Yeah, a lot of people have seen it. They're it's just pretty funny. They can't come up. To yeah, you. They're and nervous. and even recently, I was I was at some uh, I was at a, another Starbucks at. Um, you love Starbucks. Yeah, near Galax. Um, where was that? Gosh, where's Galax? Galax. What city are um, we in? Man, where were we? California, Virginia, Virginia. Who knows? Like that. Life man. as a musician. Traveling, you, you just know, know the, the place. You You're just like I don't know where on the map. But anyway, the the guy that worked at the Starbucks, he's like, hey, I've seen you on YouTube. Are you like, I'm in Galax. How'd you see me on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so before you were going to do music, you were going to do stand-up comedy. Not stand-up. That's Stitch or sketch, sketch comedy. Yeah, I liked, I liked writing comedy, yeah. and I, I would have loved to have been like a writer on a TV show or like if I could have written on Saturday Night Live, that would have been great. But yeah, um, I ended up – so I was doing this um, improv school called The Groundlings in L.A., which okay. is like a, my favorite. They're amazing. They're such good training. Did you grow up in L.A.? No, I didn't. I moved there oh, when Phoenix. I was yeah. I moved there when I was eighteen. Okay. Um, but right when I was taking the the third level class there, um, my dad was going to go on a tour to Australia and New Zealand, and it was right after I graduated from college. And I said, "Hey, can I go as like a vacation? And it sounds like a cool place to go." And he said, "Sure, but you should play banjo on Gentle on My Mind." Okay, so that's kind of a big deal because even though he's your dad and yeah. he loves you. You actually have to be good to play in Glenn Campbell's band. Like, yeah, he's not definitely. Doing a favor. Yeah, I was just like, "Are you serious? That's really? a huge honor." And then, um, so he asked you to play. Banjo. He asked me to play banjo on Channel on My Mind, and then his um, musical director T.J. Kenster, who played piano in his band, um, he said, "I've always wanted to have the strings parts in our show. Can you play keyboard and do all the strings parts on a keyboard?" And I was like, "Sure, that's that's awesome." So, and me, like at that point. I mean, probably at this point too, but like piano wasn't my main instrument, but I had actually just memorized an entire musical score because I was a... Who are you? <laughs> I play fun. by ear. I play by ear. Um, I was an understudy for a piano player in um, my friend's comedy musical based on the Fellowship of the Rings. So you're like a musical freak of nature. I might be. <laughs> um, yeah. So I learned that whole score just because I wanted to and it was super fun. And right after that, I got asked to do all the strings parts for my dad's show. So I was pretty, like, hot on the piano, like, I felt. But I still had to, like, go through and, like, <laughs> I felt like a kindergartner writing out the notes in the in the music for my dad's show. Like, I couldn't just read the notes. So I was like, ah, oh, so I wrote, like, B, A, A flat. Like, <laughs> What was it like playing in his band? Were you nervous? Because now um, you're working with I him. I was super nervous at first. Were you um, scared he was going to like get mad at you and yell at you if you messed up? I wasn't scared he was going to yell at me. Like I honestly don't think he would have noticed because <laughs> it was strings parts and they were kind of low in his mix. Yeah. But like I was just – I was nervous because I was just a little shaky, you know. And I, But it was great. He was super nurturing. The whole band was super Aww. nurturing. And um, it was just really cool to have that experience with him. And That's a whole was, other side to see. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely a trial by fire, and that's kind of where I got my my wings as far as being on stage. So is that that's where you learned how to be on stage was touring with your dad, your dad. Yep, exactly. My first ever professional show was the State Theater in Auckland, New Zealand. So it was like thousands of people. Oh my god! <laughs> At least yeah, almost a thousand. <laughs> Did you get the bug then? Were you like, I have to perform? Um, I was terrified. I was very scared. 
um, at that point I was just like, I got to get through this tour. <laughs> um, so I think then he asked you to come back for his farewell tour and yeah. play and you played the whole tour, right? I did. I played for him for about three years. So you went on the road with your dad and your brothers, both brothers? Or yeah. One brother? At first, um, um, we were still... Or Goodbye Tour. What the Goodbye Tour, yeah. So um, is that his final tour? His final tour, yeah. My brothers joined on for the Goodbye Tour. Um, and that lasted about two years, which was longer than we expected. But we had so much fun. I got to tour the UK twice. Really? Um, Where's your favorite places that you went? Mm, oh, man. I had so much fun in Brisbane, Australia. And um, I also just love... London and I love going up to like smaller towns in in Scotland and Ireland because yeah. you just get to explore all these really cool villages and stuff. I know it's majestic. Over yeah, there. the architecture is amazing. Did you ever get tired of being with your family that much? No, not really. Did y'all get along? We get along pretty well, and you know we had our space, so it was fun. What's the dynamic of you and your dad and your brothers and your mom? Your family dynamic. Let's throw her in there because okay. she's a badass. Well, my mom, bless her heart, like she's um, a rock of your. She's a rock. She's right? a rock, absolutely. Um, so the poor thing, like even if she wanted to come hang out with us, if we were all going out to dinner, like if my dad didn't want to go, she would have to stay back with him, and because he had Alzheimer's, so she was basically like with him twenty four seven, like occasionally like someone on the tour like all of us would band together and be like okay you're gonna watch Glenn and she's gonna go out to dinner and have a good fun night off you know so that was kind of fun we were just like a big family um so it was great and it was great to have my brothers with me jog it along we did I mean we'd have a little little fights here and there but um overall we we got along yeah is it just three of you guys yeah okay so all of y'all are musical Mm -hmm. even though I know that there's serious music in the genes that's still impressive they're all musical what do they play Cal, my oldest brother, he plays drums. He's the one that started when he was two. So he's amazing. But he also plays guitar and piano, and he sings really well. Um, but he's um, he went to engineering school, so he's a... So he sings, plays, and produces? He's like a whiz with Pro Tools. He produces, he engineers, he has a studio in Agoura Hills, California, and he just is a total 100% badass musical genius. Dang. And he does his own thing. And then um, Shannon, my middle brother, he plays piano and guitar, and he sings, and... Um, he lives out here in Nashville, and, and he plays with me in my band. And you guys were a duo for a hot second. We were, yeah. yeah was we, that fun? It was super fun, we, we, and that's why he's still in my band. Like, we, <laughs> we just, um, even though I kind of wanted to branch off and just do my, my songs, um, we still love singing together and playing together, and mm-hmm. we still write together, and so he's very much a part of my musical life. That's awesome. And we live together. <laughs> I mean, you know, might as well keep, just keep it all together. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned this goodbye tour and your dad had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. How did that affect your family? Um, it was pretty crazy. It, it definitely brought us together, I think, because that was, especially for me, like um, my brothers had already gone out and been like doing their own, like I'm living alone. I'm, you know, making a way for myself and as, as an adult, but I had just graduated from college and so I was kind of that was the time when I should have gone out and be like moved somewhere and just lived on my own and started you know figuring out what I'm doing with my life but I kind of just the responsibility and honor and privilege fell on me to help my mom take care of my dad um so I just kind of said I'm gonna ride this out I'm gonna just because dad's not gonna be around forever I'm just gonna I can go off and be an adult anytime I want but this is the time that I'm gonna be a daughter so are you and your dad really close? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I lived with them. I guess I've lived with them my whole life, save like one or two years um, in college and the year I moved to Nashville. But um, I'm just, 
it was it's such an honor to know him and i one so of you my really you like feel the reverence of how p impactful your father has been yeah definitely and that that definitely helped being on tour and seeing the reaction of the fans to him and and how powerful his show was and his music but yeah as a daughter it was it was really great to it's a privilege to live with him and take care of him that's a that's beautiful yeah thank you yeah <laughs> And he's had like nine number one albums. Is that what it is? Oh, probably. So I'm not sure. One, so many huge songs. He is the rhinestone cowboy. He is, yeah. Did, was it ever weird being his daughter? Did you ever be like, holy shit, my dad's like superstar legend? Or was it just normal? Um, it was pretty normal. He raised us to be pretty down to earth. Um, like we grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, so not in Hollywood where everyone was going to know. And um, mostly it was people's parents that would freak out about him. So like my friends in in elementary school and everything, I was just Ashley, you know, they were like, who's that? Oh, your dad was Rockadoodle, that rooster. Cool. You know, <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> okay. So then you get to Nashville after you go on the goodbye tour mm -hmm. that ends and you move straight to Nashville. I did. Yeah. Um, How did you decide to move to Nashville? Well, I had already started working with a manager out here, TK Kimbrell, um, with TKO Artist Management. And okay. so he was, um, before I moved out here after the goodbye tour, he um, had started looking around for sh my brother Shannon and I to get a publishing deal with our duo. Um, so we, we auditioned for a couple of publishing companies and ended up getting a, a deal offer from Warner Chapel. Which is a big deal. Cause I, Huge deal. Getting a publishing deal, and I've been interviewing a lot of interesting, amazing mm -hmm. people, it is a really hard thing because that means you are a great songwriter. No one's going to sign you just because, you know, you come from a cool family and you play instruments. You actually have to be great at writing songs. So that's amazing. Like You clearly have a talent. Thank you. I, I feel incredibly blessed, especially now that I've been in Nashville for almost three years and writing songs for Warner Chapel and, and getting to know their crew and like writing with all these other amazing songwriters because I'm still relatively new at songwriting. So even as much as I've learned in the last three years, looking back at when I auditioned for Warner Chapel, I can't believe they <laughs> signed me. I'm like, wow. Did, did you go in there like, and play just, for them? Like, yeah, like I learned so much. I'm like, thanks for signing me. <laughs> thanks for believing in me. How it's long amazing. have you been with them? Um, about three years. Okay. Yeah. And has it felt like a family? Absolutely. They're wonderful. I'm just, I feel like I'm totally on the A team. I just love them so much. I'm so proud of them. Like for the last two years, they've gotten publisher of the year at the ASCAP Awards. So I'm really? just like, woo woo. So do you like co-writing? Because that's a big deal yeah. in Nashville is to co-write. I love co-writing. Um, my favorite way to do it is to start a song on my own, mm -hmm. like get get the idea that I know the direction I want to go in, and then when I hit a roadblock, I like to go in and s present it to a co-writer, and they can op often open doors that I wouldn't have seen. Okay, so you like to go in with like kind of like a melody and lyrical idea, or is it generally or some? You know, it just depends. But that's my favorite way. I think. Do you like to see the full, like, do you have to have a concept for the song, or can you just start chiseling away? Like, do you need to see the end, or can you start and kind of just um, walk into the, the dark wall of what the song will be? It's different every time. It really is. Like, some uh, sometimes you'll be writing a song, and you'll be stuck on this one part, and then, you, uh, like, say, like, okay, we have this awesome pre-chorus. We don't know what the chorus is going to be, and then you work trying to create a chorus that is cooler than the pre-chorus, and then you go... Well, how about the pre-chorus is the chorus? <laughs> it's crazy. So it's it's fun. You just kind of have to be open to changing things. So last night were the Grammys, mm -hmm. and your family is a part of an amazing documentary about your dad called Glenn Campbell, All Be Me. That's right. And I watched the trailer for that. 
I want to see the whole movie. You should definitely watch it. It looks incredible. Mm -hmm. So how was that movie, and how was being a part of it? And you wrote a song, which is mm -hmm. has been a single for you, and it's also on the soundtrack that won a Grammy last night. Yeah, that's right. Tell me about all that. Um, so yeah, the the documentary follows um, my dad and us on his goodbye tour. So he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2011, and these amazing filmmakers, James Keach, James Keach and Trevor Albert, um, wanted to make a documentary following us on the tour. And so they started out, and they thought it was just going to be like two weeks, and it's done. And then it turned into this huge thing. Two years later, 151 shows. Wow. Um, you know, we played for Congress in, in Washington, D.C. I got to speak before Congress on behalf of Alzheimer's. And what did you do when you were speaking before Congress? Like, what was that <laughs> I think it was called a, a testimony. So I was kind of just like saying my part on why I think Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's should get more research money. Why did you say that? What was your reason? Well, um, even now, Alzheimer's, um, like brain diseases in general, get just a fraction of the money that, say, like diseases like AIDS or cancer get, you know? Really? Um, Why and that's that? just the whole thing. So Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and dementia and anything with the brain, that's just like in the millions versus like AIDS and cancer in the billions. Why you is know? that? I don't know. Um, and, you know, I mean, all disease really sucks, but like AIDS is livable. You can live with it. It's, you know, but so let's let's start saving people's lives again with getting rid of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, you know. So I really think the allocation of money needs to be seriously thought about. So what happens with Alzheimer's? I haven't really, like, known very much about it. Yeah, and that's what the documentary, that's the great thing about the documentary, um, is that even though it's so sad and that it's following someone with Alzheimer's, um, it opens up the world of Alzheimer's to a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have known anything about it. Like, before my dad got Alzheimer's, I didn't know anything about yeah. it. I mean, you've seen movies where, like, The Notebook, where she's just this nice old lady and she doesn't remember stuff, and then he tells her a story and she's totally back to normal for a couple minutes, and then she's back to not really, you know. But the real dirty, grungy truth about Alzheimer's, people don't know about. So, um, what is the truth you ask, what is the truth? Um, Alzheimer's takes away more than your memory it takes away your ability to function as a human being so um you don't just oh i you're my best friend i forget who you are mm -hmm. but i can still make my coffee and yeah. brush my teeth you forget how eventually if you live with alzheimer's long enough you forget how to breathe you forget really? how to swallow and that's how you die from alzheimer's but um your you, your brain yeah. doesn't naturally do that yep you can't dress yourself you can't do anything you can't use the bathroom um, so it just, it gets super hard. And all, a lot of the times the real victims are the people caring for people with Alzheimer's. And that's another big issue. So this is kind of an incredible platform. Not only is your dad an incredible musician who's touched the world with his music, he's also bringing huge awareness to all, Alzheimer's. Absolutely. And, um, is he one of the first big stars to publicly fight this battle? I think he is. Yeah. Do um, you feel kind of proud that this is part of his legacy to help bring I mean I, w I wish it wasn't but um you know it is what it is and I'm super proud that he decided to be a pioneer for the cause and because a lot of people there have been you know famous people that have gotten Alzheimer's but they kind of just chose to disappear and keep it private which is totally their prerogative you know um and there's no shame in that either but a lot of people really need their voices heard um so my dad really stepped up there and showed the world what people were going through. And a lot of people who saw the film who 
are going through Alzheimer's with a loved one or have Alzheimer's, they, they were like, thank you so much for sharing my story. Cause my dad's story is millions of people's stories, you know, that wasn't told before. So it's really, really an honor to be a part of that and help my dad with that. Did he make a conscious decision? Like, did, was there a point where he was like, okay, I'm going for this. I'm going to just talk about it. He did. Yeah. He's just very honest and he wanted to, it all, I think it all started with, he, he, he got the diagnosis and he wanted to keep touring. He, he felt totally fine. He didn't want to stop touring just because he got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So he's just like, I'm just going to be honest with my fans and everyone and, yeah. and just do my thing, you know, and if I mess up, they'll forgive me. Totally. Yeah. So, and he won a Grammy right when this all happened. Didn't mm-hmm. he do a song or was it the band Perry that covered his song or he, the band Perry covered his song gentle on my mind and they won a Grammy and with they that. won a Grammy with it. And then he and his producer, Julian Raymond, um, who did the soundtrack album for I'll Be Me, um, they they wrote a song together, um, which was really Julian taking things that my dad had said and, like, putting together the lyrics and then showing them to my dad and, you know, getting his okay and, like, how do you like this chord progression? Because my dad, he wrote, he helped Julian write a Grammy-winning song with full-blown Alzheimer's, like... <laughs> That's, that's talent, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So he won a Grammy last year for that. And a couple, in 2012, he was given the Lifetime Achievement Award Grammy. And we got to perform on the Grammys in 2012. And that was, How was that? one of the best experiences of my life. So, yeah, I was in the band. I just played banjo. Oh, Frodo. Hi, Frodo. Who's a good boy? Frodo's a good boy. You want the attention? What do you want to say? He's quiet. Rub my ears, he says. Yeah. Um, so I was in the band and, um, it was really cool cause it was kind of like a, a little compilation medley. So we had Blake Shelton singing Southern Nights and the band Perry singing Gentle on My Mind. Um, and then my dad came out and sang Rhinestone Cowboy. And I remember that. It was so much fun. And it was also for those of us in my dad's band and not just the people that were hired for the Grammys, we were just like, oh my God, what's he going to do? You know, cause he's not used to seeing the teleprompter way out there in the middle of the crowd, which is how it is at the Grammys. Cause he needed a teleprompter. Oh, right. And so we were like, is he going to go out there and see all these thousands of people and just totally get sidetracked? And cause it could, cause he might, yeah, exactly. Divert his attention, but it was so amazing. He just went out there and he sang the song and played to the crowd like any other show. It was amazing. But that's brave, too, on his part, just to go out there and be like, like you said, if I mess up, people will forgive me because, yeah. <clears throat> you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's funny, in the in the documentary, it's, um, his friend Dante, who takes him golfing all the time, um, was the day after the Grammys, I think, taking him golfing, and there's footage of him in the car, and his friend's like, hey, congratulations on winning your Grammy yesterday. And he's like, what? <laughs> it's like, you won a Grammy yesterday. Oh, yeah. I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so. And that's all in the documentary. It is, yeah. Okay, so Julian, who wrote the song that won the Grammy, what was that song called? It's called um, I'm Not Gonna Miss You. I'm not gonna, and what's that about? That's, I think um, that's, that's cool. a powerful song. Yeah, um, it kind of brings brings me into my song. Which and I want to ask you about And how it song. relates, because um, it's kind of the opposite of my song, but they, they kind of go together so like a puzzle the, piece. Show me the ba- the two sides of the songs. Okay, so my dad's song, I'm Not Gonna Miss You, is basically from the perspective of someone with Alzheimer's saying, um, you know, I don't, I'm losing memory, I don't remember you, so I don't miss you, but know that I'm okay, and I want you to be okay. So and that, that makes you feel yeah, comfort. Exactly. And then my song, which is called Remembering, which is kind of the opposite, saying like, 
you don't remember anymore, so I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to do the remembering for you. Wow. Yeah, and we, we didn't even plan that. <laughs> that's, really, that's a really big, powerful moment. Yeah, definitely. And you, I said, I read that you said that with this song, it took you several rounds to write this song in like a mm -hmm. while because like you knew it was something special. You knew you had something and it, you wanted to make sure it's perfect. Definitely. Um, this was this is an example of song, my type of songwriting where I have just kind of a general idea. I didn't even know what I wanted to say at first, but I knew this song was going to be about my dad and that. I really wanted to get it right. So I started writing like right after the tour got over um, and I was still at my parents' house in Malibu and I started playing this er initial guitar riff, which is like a descending C riff. And the first line popped into my head, four years old, running up the stairs to your bed. And I was like, okay, this is cool. So where does this story go? And I just, you know, kind of played with it a little bit and I just decided to record it into my phone and, and hold it for another day and think about it. Because, like, I do a lot of writing in my car sometimes. I'll, I'll record something and I'll play it and I'll just sing while I'm driving. Um, but so I just, like, lived with it for a little while and then I moved to Nashville a couple months later and I went in to write with my good friend Kai Welch. And I said, hey, I've got this song. And he's he's such a brilliant lyricist and he's got such a good musical sensi sensibility. Um, we just it just happened that day. We just got really? together and I was like this song and we just wrote it and went to lunch. <laughs> so it came out fast. It did. Yeah. Did you feel like it was like a gift? Like it was meant to be written? I think so. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just, I wasn't even thinking like, Oh, I can't got to get a song on the radio, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, I'm gonna write this song. This song needs to be written. Um, so, and that was your first single. It was. Yeah. I never would have dreamed that. Which you, <laughs> Which leads me to, you signed a freaking major label record deal with Big Machine. Mm -hmm. You're on Dot Records. Big Machine is Taylor Swift's label. Yeah. So it's prime time, badass label. How <laughs> did that make you feel, and how did that happen? That's a huge accomplishment. Man, um, I was kind of doing my own thing and um, writing and things like that. And um, gosh, um, I guess um, so. Scott Borchetta was gonna do put he out runs this big machine. Yeah, Scott Borchetta runs Big Machine, and he was gonna put out the soundtrack for the documentary. Okay. And so I think, um, and my song "Remembering" was gonna be on the soundtrack. I think it was already in the movie. So I think that's kind of how he. So he kind of found you. He kind of noticed me. Yeah. Um, but before that, I had worked with Big Machine a little bit. I was um, the banjo player in the Rascal Flatts music video "Banjo." How'd, um, how'd that happen? A Facebook message. I got a Facebook <laughs> message from some um, agent scout, and they were like, hey, we're looking for female banjo players for a Rascal Flatts music video. Do you have any footage? And I sent him a, a video of me playing dueling banjos with my dad, and, and I got a message back like uh, a couple hours hired. later, like, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So your dad plays da banjo too? Um, no, no, no. He, he did guitar on oh, that oh, one. Oh. But he actually did play banjo back in the day. He was pretty badass. Okay, so you had been in a Rascal Flatts music video mm -hmm. as the – Hot banjo player. Yes, and that was with Big Machine. So I, I, um, I met Sandy Borchetta, which is who's Scott's wife, um, on that project. And so that was kind of my first introduction to Big Machine. I was just so excited to be a part of it. And then, um, and then yeah, so my my song was going to be on the soundtrack. And so Scott Borchetta called me in to play a couple songs for him in the office. And then he came and saw a show that my brother Shannon and I were doing. And then shortly after that, um, I was offered a record deal with his new. 
um, label branch dot records. I have to say Steven Tyler's on that label. Steven Tyler is my label mate. Do you know him? I have met him and he has given me a long, deep neck hug. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my hair smelled good. <laughs> so have you played some shows with some cool people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a couple couple weeks ago, I got to open a show for Maddie and Tay, who They're are these so cute. super talented, sweet girls with some awesome songs. Don't you feel like it's kind of the rise of the female right now in country music? I feel like there's this rumble happening where it's like, Everyone wants females back on the radio. I definitely hope so. Um, yeah, you're a part of this movement. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um, there's a lot of badass chicks out there um, with all different kinds of styles and things like that. Like, it's just really cool to see. You know, like there's the badass chick, there's the sweet chick, there's the like vocal powerhouse chick coming up, and like then there's me all weird in the corner. <laughs> oh my god! How would, okay? You are not weird in the corner. How would you describe yourself musically? Um, I'm about to go in and record some more songs. So, um, I would describe, um, my songwriting and what I want my, my sound to eventually be is kind of like a edgy rootsy vibe, you know, Okay. with, um, some grit. Okay. If you had like to say a few musical icons that you look up to, who would it be musically like that you wouldn't want to emulate, but that you like mm -hmm. respect and you love their vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'd be like, um, Stevie Nicks. She's awesome. Dolly Parton and mixed in with a little bit of L King. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> so you just recently played the Grand Ole Opry. I did. Yes. For the second time. That's a big deal. I'm so excited to be a part of that. Because that's the mother church of country music. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like when you get the invitation to play the Grand Ole Opry, it's like, you're legit. You have, <laughs> you know, you you are like, you're in the club. Yeah, you have to work hard. But, like, to get an invitation means you're not just, like, doing it for fun. It was really cool. And um, the awesome thing about coming back and playing a second time was that, you know, it's all the same people and the same crew. And so you all, you honestly just feel like a family member coming back. They're like, hey, Ashley, what's up? Oh, you like this and this with your stage set up and blah, blah, blah. So it was really cool. That's awesome. Which songs did you play? So for this time, I played, um, I played some new songs. I played a song called Had a Few, which is like a really fun drinking, sexy song. What's your favorite drink of choice? Oh, my goodness. I think when I'm really thrown down, it's just straight whiskey. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't you like to mix it with anything. I like to taste what I'm drinking and know exactly how it's going to make me feel. How does whiskey make you feel? Um, badass. <laughs> strong and badass. I'm going to come up and talk to you and pull you under the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. And I'm going to rub coconut oil all over you. <laughs> okay. So note to self, whoever goes on a date with Ashley, get her some whiskey. <laughs> You have to make me laugh first. Yeah. <laughs> if you want the coconut oil. And not the nervous laughter. Not that. Like, ha That's funny. Like fake. Yeah. Laugh, not like. fake nervous laughter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you played that. So and I played what Had a Few. It's called Had a Few. Had a Few. And then I played Remembering. Okay. Love. And then I played a new song that I wrote called Cry, which What's is like, about? I think that's my like boom song. Like, hey, this is Ashley Campbell. Okay. Tell me about Cry. So yes. this is like introducing Ashley Campbell. I think so. Yes. Break it down for me, girl. All right. So Cry mm -hmm. is a song um, about like when you get broken up with and you don't want to be broken up with. And so you're really sad. And the other, the guy seems totally fine. What an and, ass. And you're just like, didn't I mean anything to you? And so the song, like the lyrics is, um, 
I hope you're crying in your bedroom. I hope you're just putting on a show. So it's like, cry, cry for me. I want to see you bleed. <laughs> yes. You just kind of want to see them in a little bit of pain so that you know that your pain's legitimate, you know? Yes. Is this based on a true story? It might be. Someone would break your heart? A little bit, yeah. What? <laughs> I cannot even believe that. Yeah. Oh. It happens. No. No. Okay, we haven't met you the right guy yet. Because, girl, you are the full <laughs> package. He must not have been a man yet. Maybe not. He was He was just a boy. He was just a boy. <laughs> we need your man. He was just a Peter Pan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of those in Nashville. Yeah, definitely. They just haven't quite grown They're up. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They are everywhere. What, are you, what is a Peter Pan exactly? Oh, man. Just someone who just doesn't know what they want. They just don't want to settle down. And I'm not saying I want to settle down right now, but someone who's afraid to make a commitment. Right. Yeah. Peter Pan just flies away. Yeah. Nope. So tell me about your fashion style because you always look mm. hands down fabulous. <laughs> what do you, what's your go-to vibe? Well, um, my go-to pieces are like some skin tight, skinny jeans. You got those legs. Thank you. Those legs yeah. bow days. <laughs> skin tight, skinny jeans, a comfy t-shirt and a black leather jacket. Okay. And You're some, like a badass. Some ankle boots. Yeah. Like badass entering the room. <laughs> Yeah, that's my go-to pieces. Okay. And what are you most excited about for 2016? Mm. I'm excited about making an album. Okay. Do you have an idea of the songs you want on the album? I do. Like yeah. all of them? Yep. All, all but you know maybe all one. So I'm super excited and I'm, I'm writing my album. And oh, I'm you're just, writing every song? Yeah. So what is the range of the songs? Like what do they span from? It spans from everything to just from fun like drinking to like super serious like my heart's broken and i'm watching you walk away with her into the sunset with her yeah oh. so I, I get pretty deep in in there but um yeah it's good it's just an honest album and it's a lot of autobiographical stuff okay so every song has a little shred of truth in it yeah definitely i love that i love authentic songs like that you really feel like the person singing means yeah, exactly. Like, I figure when I'm writing a song, like, if I write about something that happened to me, the odds are it's happened to someone else because we're all kind of living within the same realm. <laughs> we're all in this thing together. We're in the same realm of heartbreak, yeah. <laughs> Is it scary to put yourself out there in a song and be vulnerable and kind of, like, say that out loud? Sometimes, yeah. Um, I'm just hoping that <laughs> the person that I wrote them about doesn't feel too bad. <laughs> <laughs> or feels terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, Ashley, I want to wrap up. Thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. always fun chatting with you. It is. <laughs> and we still have, have a girls' night. Absolutely. Dinner. Yes. But I like to end my interviews with a little thing <laughs> called leave your light. Okay. So basically what that means is leave me some inspiration, something that inspires you, something that you want to inspire people with, just some sort of inspiration. Okay. Um. So I go, I've been going by this motto for the last year um, because um, a very close friend of mine who is like another fa father figure, he passed away last year from pancreatic cancer. And, um, but he, right before he went, when he was staying with us, he, he was um, a chef. And we would always leave dirty dishes in the kitchen and stuff, and he, he'd get really annoyed. And so he put up this cardboard heart on the fridge, and he wrote in Sharpie, leave everything better than you found it. And so... After he passed away, I kind of kept that heart and I've been applying it towards everything I do in life. So like even from from like, oh, there's a piece of trash on the ground. 
pick it up, pick it up or all the way to like, Oh, you're not feeling so great today. How can I leave you better than I found you? You know, Ashley. So that's kind of my inspiration right now. So you are going out of your way to just do a little more good. Yeah, exactly. Like when I get a selfish thought, like, well, I don't want to hang with you and make you feel better. I want to go in my room and watch Netflix. I'll say, you know what? That's, that's not going to help anyone. So just little things like that all, all the way to big, big things, you know, just anything you do, you kind of just use that motto as a mantra. Okay. So not only are you amazingly talented, incredible, <laughs> you have a sweet heart too on top of it. I mean, are you real? I'm going to pinch you. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> well, thank you so much for interviewing me. Thank you. You're the best. You're the best, girl. hope you guys loved hearing from Ashley Campbell. She is such a little angel and ray of sunshine. Next week is an incredible episode because I have a world famous, world renowned producer, Tony Brown. This dude has produced over a hundred number one songs. He has over a hundred million album sales. All the artists that he has produced combined have sold over a hundred million album of sales. That's insane. He's produced Reba, Vince Gill, George Strait, Brooks and Dunn, Trisha Yearwood, Rodney Crowd, to name a few. He also did Lionel Richie's album that had all those duets with Blake Shelton, Jason Aldean, Darius Rucker, Tim McGraw. The list goes on. He's won a Grammy. He ran a record label, MCA Records, and he signed artists like he signed some of the coolest artists ever, like Lyle Lovett, Kelly Willis, Allison Moore, Rodney Crowell. Uh, the Mavericks he's called the founding father of alternative Americana country music and he played freaking piano with Elvis Presley and Emmylou Harris are you kidding me y'all are not going to want to miss Tony Brown so y'all tune in next week and make sure to subscribe on iTunes bye y'all